The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Support for Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast comes from Remax Commercial. The Remax Commercial Global Network can help you adapt to changing markets, evolve with new technology, and maximize your investments across all property types. Go commercial with confidence. For more information, visit www.remaxcommercial.com. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor of the magazine. In this episode, I spoke with Joanna Frank, President and CEO of the Center for Active Design, which operates FitWell, a CDC-developed certification system that emphasizes practical design and operational strategies for buildings and communities to optimize health. She discusses potential improvements in the multifamily sector to increase tenant satisfaction while minimizing owner-operator expenditure. Frank also offers practical advice for CRE professionals who want to enhance assets through improved air quality, increased green space, and healthy food options. All right, Joanna, first of all, thank you so much for joining us on Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Thank you for having me. And now, as president and CEO of the Center for Active Design, you leave FitWell, um, a certification system developed by the CDC to optimize health in buildings and communities. Um, can you give us a, a bit of the background about the program and what, you know, what it can mean to, to commercial real estate? Yeah, absolutely. So we as a company are really um, looking to transform the whole market. So market transformation for the real estate industry by optimizing the health of the people that we all serve. Like, why do we have buildings if it isn't for people? Um, so what FitWell does is actually defines healthy buildings for each asset class based on um, public health research. So behind the FitWell standard, there are actually more than 5,000 uh, evidence-based research studies that have been peer-reviewed and published from academic institutions around the world. Um, the CDC very kindly uh, did the review of that evidence base and translated it into the weighted uh, set of strategies that are in FitWell. So what we're looking at is we're really looking at how do you optimize our built environment, so the buildings that we live in and that we work in and the neighborhoods that we live in based on the location, based on the design, based on the operation and also the amenities. Um, so that is what FitWell is doing. Um, and then the certification piece is really about um, ensuring that the buildings are meeting those evidence-based standards. So what we find is folks think that they um, are meeting the standard, um, but often some of the, the nuanced and specificity that is behind those evidence-based strategies, say around indoor air quality, um, that's something that requires certification. Yeah, and and you mentioned I'm I'm sure it has to be your um the metrics are obviously vary from sector to sector. You know what what works in retail isn't going to work in industrial. Can you kind of um go into a bit of of how you um you know personalized approach for each sector in the market? Well, yeah. So this is where it's interesting. People are people. So whether you are working in industrial um, 
property or whether you're working in an office, as a as a person, as a human, um, the indoor air quality actually affects you the same way. Um, your access to daylight and views is the same, regardless of what kind of work you're doing. So we actually don't have different standards based on the different asset classes, but we do have different strategies based on what is applicable for that actual asset class and for who you are in the real estate industry. So if you are an investor in real estate, you have a different set of opportunities um, than if you are the operator of that building or if you are the tenant within the building. So each of those different kind of user groups have different opportunities to influence the design and the operation of the property. Um, But as far as health's impact on people, we all pretty much react the same um, to those different uh, uh, health-promoting strategies. So air quality, daylight and views, uh, the location of a building is going to be pretty standard as far as its impact on your health. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and on this podcast, we've we've talked a bit about ESG. Um, that's obviously a, a topic that's central um, to a lot of commercial real estate these days. Um and we, we often spend time looking at uh, at office industrial and retail sectors, but can you just talk specifically about multifamily and, and kind of how it, it can improve in this area? Sometimes I think we overlook that sector just in favor of the other ones. Yeah, no, it's really interesting from our perspective. Um, we've certainly seen a, a massive increase in demand from the multifamily sector um, because of COVID. So before COVID, we were already seeing um, a lot of interest uh, from commercial properties, just like you're talking about. Um, and then a lot of investors who, of course, are the ones who are really driving the ESG investment trend. Actually, this year, it will be 41 trillion of assets under management um, for ESG globally. So that is a very large number. Um, so, but that is that, as you're quite rightly saying, that is mostly um, that is mostly on the commercial side. Multifamily are now really coming to the table because demand is there. So demand is coming from institutional investors who have multifamily within their investment portfolio. Um, they are obviously seeing that you know, they need to be able to report on everything that they invest in. So if you are investing in different asset classes, you need your multifamilies to be reporting on those same metrics because the risk that exists, you know, those non-financial risk factors of environmental, social and governance are just as applicable to multifamily. And then on the owner side, we are seeing now that the multi- owners of multifamily and operators of multifamily are now seeing demand coming from their residents, from their tenants, and that's new. So before COVID, there really wasn't a lot of demand coming from the individuals within residential properties for health. They were asking for amenities, they were valuing location, but we weren't putting it all under the umbrella of health. Right, we were saying I want a yoga room, but we weren't saying I want a yoga room because I care about my mental health. Right, we were just saying I want a yoga room, <laughs> um, and now there is an understanding that the design and operation and the amenities of where you live and not just where you work is having an impact on our overall health, our mental health, our life expectancy. Um, folks are now really prioritizing health. So multifamily is seeing this um, demand coming from both sides. They're seeing demand coming from their residents and they're seeing demand coming from institutional investors as the growing demand comes from ESG. Um, I said that ESG this year is at 41 trillion. Um, It is anticipated to reach 50 trillion in two years time. And that actually represents more than a third of the global assets under management. So this is a trend that is going to impact all asset classes 
um, and and you know obviously multifamily has a lot of opportunity in this area um, and it's a real business uh, and key financial driver now because you need to be able to demonstrate how you are promoting health in order to meet the market if people are demanding it i used to be a developer of multifamily you know this is how you sell your units this is how you rent your units you need to be able to meet the demand in the marketplace to differentiate your product uh, your property over others and health is now at the top of everybody's list when it comes to where they live and where they work, which is they were already demanding it of where they work before COVID. Yeah. And it seems obviously, you know, having a global pandemic will have people think differently about, about how they interact with, with their living space. Um, is it a case where, where the demand from tenants kind of makes the expenditures um, make sense on, on, a, on, a, on a bottom line um, from owners and operators? Yeah, I mean, I would say that in order to promote health, you're not really talking about increasing costs, certainly not the capital costs. So we actually just recently completed benchmarking um, with Quadrille. So Quadrille is the uh, real estate owning arm of the British Columbia Pension Plan, so a very large portfolio. So they benchmarked their assets using Fitwell. Um, and including their multifamily assets. So they took the Fitwell strategies and they benchmarked their assets against that. Then, then we took that data set um, and overlaid it with their tenant satisfaction surveys, um, which include their net promoter scores. So the likelihood that a resident is going to tell their friends, recommend you to somebody else. Right? And these have already been demonstrated to drive value. They just They drive sticky and stable tenants. They also uh, you know, increase the likelihood that, that someone's going to rent from you in future. So therefore affect your amount of time that uh, a property is vacant, et cetera. So key, key driver for financial success. Um, and what was really interesting is that we had the strongest data set for the multifamily units. Uh, so the data that we were able to gather for the multifamily had statistical significance. Uh, so this is really good data. Um, and what we saw was that folks on the multifamily were actually positively responding to health promoting strategies, especially the operation of your building. So operational strategies, including things as, you know, kind of basic as integrated pest management, right? So how are you dealing with all the little critters in the building um, and indoor air quality, maintenance, all of those like operational strategies, which don't have an inherent cost to them. Those were the set of strategies that had the strongest correlation with tenant satisfaction and net promoter score, which tells us that we are not talking about new construction here. We are talking about existing properties. So every property can be optimized in order to directly impact that tenant satisfaction. And the strategies that have the greatest impact are the ones that don't require capital intense upgrades, right? It's not about design. Um, it's about the operation of your property. So that is, I think, really encouraging because it means everybody, every asset can be optimized um, in order to increase its uh, impact on tenant satisfaction and net promoter scores. So these are the kind of insights that we're really excited to continue to be able to gather using both the, the Fitwell standard um, and the data set that is generated when you benchmark using that standard. And the work we just did with Quadrail is actually uh, first of its kind. Uh, it's the first time that we can really actually talk about this direct correlation between uh, health-promoting strategies and uh, tenant satisfaction. And what was really interesting and I think important to note is that those the tenant satisfaction surveys were done by a, a totally different company, and they were done without reference to health. So 
they weren't folks in those buildings weren't asked like, oh, we have all these strategies in place around health. What do you think of this building? Right? That is not what happened. Folks were asked all the standard questions without reference to health specifically. And we saw that people perceive the difference. They feel the difference um, when there are more health promoting strategies in place in an asset and they respond positively to that. Um, so that's um, really actually exciting for us uh, that people do positively respond to a property, to a, a, a multifamily property that has been designed and is being operated, um, really prioritizing occupant health. It's kind of a no-brainer. Like It's like, of course, <laughs> of course, people respond positively, but we didn't know that. We didn't know how sensitive people would be to it or whether you needed to tell people that this is a healthy building in order for them to think of it more positively. But that isn't the case. Yeah. And especially if, if you mentioned there are things to be done that aren't too capital or labor intensive to, to kind of communicate interest in your tenant's health, which I think is, is important that, uh, that your tenants understand that. Yeah. I mean, and just to build on that, the, the subset of strategies that actually had the greatest uh, impact on uh, tenant satisfaction, specifically for multifamily, um, were actually access to healthy food. So that can be something as simple as having, you know, kind of an area for drop-off, refrigeration for drop-off of groceries. It could be vending machines that have healthy beverages. It could be fresh fruit and vegetables, community gardens. Yes, it could be something as large as a farmer's market for an asset, you know, that's large enough to deal with that. But those are the strategies that had the greatest impact on tenant satisfaction. And what I can tell you from the Fitwell perspective, from the kind of global perspective, is that these are the least used strategies across all asset classes. And yet they are the ones that are having the greatest impact on people's perception um, and their tenant satisfaction. So big opportunity for real estate to kind of think about food access in a way that maybe it is part of, you know, what we do in real estate, whereas before and now um, folks in real estate kind of think that it's somebody else's uh, business, that food access really isn't core business for real estate. Yeah, I almost think of it as, as a kind of a, a more holistic approach where you're looking at, like you said, community issues like healthy food, water quality, green spaces, um, are there things, you know, a multifamily asset owner can do to improve these things? Is it about working with community and surrounding area to, to you know, to offer healthy food, to, to have, um, you know, farmers markets in the area? Or is that how, how does an, how does an owner kind of uh, take a step towards that? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think, again, we're talking about Fitwell. So what I would do if I was an owner and I used to be a multifamily developer, so um, I would use the Fitwell standard, right, to benchmark. It's very inexpensive. It's super efficient. And the, when you bit benchmark against the Fitwell strategies, the Fitwell, the actual tech, uh, tech platform gives you a gap analysis for that specific asset. So it says, these are the strategies that you haven't been able to achieve so far in the order of greatest impact. So that is going to give you the list of strategies around food access that are specifically applicable to your particular asset in the order that you should look to prioritize them. So maybe at the top of that list would be to create a community garden um, because it's going to get you the most fit well points, but that means that it's actually going to have the greatest impact on the uh, residents of a property. Or maybe it's going to be vending machines. Maybe it's going to be pricing strategies if you have a grocery grocery store or some kind of food um, retailer within your property. So it's going to have, it, you're going to have a different answer for each asset, but 
you can use Fitwell to actually identify what is going to have the greatest impact for that particular asset. Because that's, I think, a really important thing about healthy buildings. It's not about a one-size-fits-all. So we define healthy buildings as that, first of all, you are meeting the needs of the occupants and the, the community that that building is actually um, created to respond to. So you're you're responding to the needs of your users. You're using evidence-based strategies to respond to those needs. And then you're having a measurable impact. So the measurable impact is obviously the tenant satisfaction and the health outcomes. So that means that you're going to have a different approach for different buildings. So if I have an asset that is in a more suburban location, I'm going to have a different set of opportunities and a different set of needs than if I'm in um, you know, a few floors of a, a downtown uh, tower. Etc. So, and neither one is more or less health promoting. It's just that you're going to do different things, and you can actually use Fitwell to say that this is equally health promoting, but that doesn't mean that they're the same. And that's totally fine and justifiable and and supportable by the evidence base. And that's really important because with Fitwell, we want, as I said at the beginning, market transformation. Every asset, no long, no matter the age of it, the location, can be optimized to promote the health of the occupants within that building. And it doesn't have to be the same, right? We're not talking about building a gym in every building, right? If you are in a downtown location and there's three gyms within a block, you definitely don't need to be building a gym, right? You probably need to be doing something completely different. Maybe it's access to outdoor space or to greenery, or maybe it's access to food. So it's really important, I think, for the real estate industry to, to be very specific and very targeted about what they're doing in order to have the greatest impact. Yeah, and I, I think, like you said, both prioritizing and laying out actionable items is a great way to kind of to convey <laughs> the the importance of what you're doing is saying, you know, these are these are concrete steps that you can do to improve your asset and improve your performance. And looking um, again on a very maybe on a general um, in a general way, what considerations are more important for suburban locations versus what you said, you know, more of a centrally downtown located area? Yeah. So, I mean, it's about taking advantage of what you have available to you. So, I mean, we do industrial properties as well, right? We have an industrial site scorecard. We have a community site scorecard, which is looking at master plan communities. Um, And then we have multifamily scorecard and we, you know, which is looking at, you know, large scale, often tower, uh, tower blocks. So, like I said, it's, it's not a one size fits all. It's really about how do you take your existing asset? How do you, if it's a new construction, you should be acing it, by the way, everybody. <laughs> um, but you know, how do you take what you have and how do you use the evidence base to really identify those opportunities? So if you're in an industrial property um, and Quadrille benchmark their industrial properties as well as their multifamily and commercial. So industrial properties, maybe you don't actually control the inside of that building. Maybe you just control the site. Um, so therefore, what are the opportunities that you have as an investor or owner of an industrial site? Um, those opportunities are really about engaging the community. So how do you ensure that the asset, which is probably a large employer uh, for that community, how do you ensure that it's really integrated with the local community, um, looking at public transport, uh, having your outdoor spaces on your site become an asset for that community as, as a whole um, absolutely, I would say community gardens, understanding also the type of industrial asset. Um, I just did a panel with um, uh, Carl Lamb, who operates uh, Fitwell's, uh, sorry, uh, Quadrail's industrial assets. And he was saying that when they talk to their industrial 
tenants, they have very different needs depending on their kind of industrial tenants. So if it's a, a fulfillment center, the folks working there have different needs as far as their health is concerned than if it's a manufacturing site. Um, so really, again, understanding what are the needs of your tenants, what are the needs of the people in those buildings. Um, and, and that comes from, you know, obviously surveys, but also knowing your tenants. Um, so there's lots of things you can do. Um, and again, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? The, the Fitwell standard has already identified. We actually have 170 different strategies. Um, so within any scorecard, you probably only have 70 strategies because those are the ones that are applicable to that typology. Um, if it's industrial, you're looking at outdoor air quality. You're looking at uh, mitigating noise pollution. Um, you're looking at are you downwind of a pollutant source or do you, are you in an area that has a flood risk, right? So at the site scale, um, you're really looking at a different set of um, issues than if you're in a kind of a downtown zero lot line building um, where you're then looking at issues around um, do I have enough square feet per person to create rooms for rest and recuperation and can i create an outdoor space because i'm in a downtown market that has no outdoor space so then that becomes the highest priority in that location um, but the system does it for you right you don't need to come with a lot of knowledge about public health <laughs> that's that's where we come in um, and identify those opportunities Changing gears a bit, um, we can look at a case study that uh, that's a real world example of, of things being done the right way. Um, the South Core Financial Center in Toronto is an office retail mixed use building that has received Fitwell's highest rating. Can you just kind of um, kind of cover a few points of what makes this property stand out from the others and what makes it such an excellent case of of things being done the right way? Yeah, absolutely. So this property actually got the highest score for the commercial and industrial site. Um, from for 2022. So this really is a standout uh, property. Three stars, as you say, is the highest rating. Um, this kind of means that they're they're doing all of the above. <laughs> so um, they've really kind of the location. Um, they've done a lot around uh, the location of the property. So even if you aren't in a walkable location, um, you can still ensure that you're supporting physical activity on your site by having walking paths that you're connecting your asset to infrastructure that already exists in that local community. So sidewalks and so on, if those are available. So obviously this is, this is one that's already in a highly walkable location. Um, this property also has a really strong existing commitment to energy efficiency, which we often see with the, um, the properties that are early adopters of Fitwell and the Industrial insights, the uh, commercial and industrial site is still in beta. So, this is a new site scorecard. Um, so, often the folks that are adopting these scorecards as the, the leaders, as the first, um, are ones that are already acing it when it comes to energy efficiency as well, which this property certainly is. Um, so, this is also, this property is really looking at creating an environment that is supporting the physical health, but also thinking about and optimizing the mental health of the occupants. So that's through daylight and views, access to green space, uh, indoor air quality. All of those things don't just impact your physical health, they actually impact your mental health as well, which I think is something that people have become a lot more aware of because of COVID and because we've all been socially isolated for the last couple of years, which is a real risk factor when it comes to mental health. So really looking at how do you take a property like this, you know, which is a commercial and industrial 
property, how do you take that and ensure that you're thinking about all aspects of health? Um, and then the social health piece includes equity. So that's that's the kind of um, that's an important factor. Obviously, we started the conversation about ESG, um, but this is something that I think is really important: is that equitable access to healthy spaces, equitable access to healthy buildings, um, is something that is core to health because otherwise, we're not actually going to move the needle on ensuring that we have a healthier population. Um, I think that COVID has really shown us that you can't wrap yourself in a bubble, right? We are part of a society. We really need to think about health holistically across the whole population. Um, and that is something that this property is doing. Yeah. And you mentioned that that every, um, every asset is unique and every situation is different, but are there two or three things that, that our listeners can take away from this example and then you know, potentially use with their properties? Sure. So I think uh, for all assets, I would definitely be looking at indoor air quality. Um, so indoor air quality has been top of mind you know, for a while now, especially folks who are uh, looking at sustainability, um, but it has now become essential. So before COVID, I would say promoting health and indoor air quality was seen as a nice to have. You know, it was uh, kind of when we've done other things, then we'll think about the indoor air quality. And it's kind of a cherry on top of everything else we're doing now post-COVID or wherever we are in COVID, um, indoor air quality is something that is basically the first thing that people are asking about. Um, we've all become much more educated when it comes to filtration rates and the fact that you can um, impact, you know, the, the um, you can mitigate the spread of, of an infectious respiratory disease using um, filtration and increasing the amount of uh, fresh air coming into a building. So indoor air quality is something that I would recommend to every asset class, not just because it impacts all aspects of health. So it impacts your physical health, it impacts your mental health, and it is absolutely an equity issue also. Um, but I would also say it's because your tenants, your residents, your employees are demanding it also. So indoor air quality has become something that is uh, really important um, and valued by the industry as a whole. Um, so that's one thing I would do. I'd have to caution though, however, that we really need to balance that with our energy use. So I mentioned that the South Gore Financial Center is really energy efficient. One of the issues that we saw during COVID is that there was a rush to um, increasing bringing outdoor air into your mechanical system. And what that means is, and increasing the filtration levels, both of those things actually increase the energy that you're using in order to, um, to uh, um, ensure that the indoor air quality is optimum for people, but also, you know, kind of your uh, thermal comfort, you're either heating it or cooling it. Um, so that increased energy use, which if you increase energy use, you're increasing the amount of contaminants outside. <laughs> and if you're increasing the uh, contaminants outside, you're increasing the need for filtration. So we, we have to be careful that we don't put ourselves in a vicious cycle uh, where we're necessitating high levels of filtration because of increased contaminants outside. So that's that's one thing I just, that's a, that's a bigger issue that has risen to the fore because of this. Um, I would say also access to green spaces um, for all properties, certainly, you know, the South Gore Financial Center, but for all properties. Again, access to green space, whether it's within your property or whether it's in the immediate surroundings of your property on land that you own or that is public, it doesn't matter. We as people don't really care who owns the property. 
as long as it's well maintained. Um, so ensuring that if you're in a location that is close to green space and is public, great. If you aren't, then you're creating that for yourself um, for on your site uh, or on your rooftops. It doesn't matter. Again, we're, we're pretty simple creatures, right? You don't need to do a lot to uh, have a positive impact on health. So having, having green spaces that people go to, having outdoor spaces that people can use for rest and uh, respite, um, I think that that also became very relevant during COVID. People really understood the value of having uh, somewhere that they could go outside um, and have that fresh air. And again, it's not just good for physical health, it's also good for your mental health as well. And these are all, we can quantify all of this. So that's very important. Um, and then the food access piece, right? You, you really, I would just drill down on that, right? There's an opportunity. This is a, a, an opportunity for the industry to really take on a new area, especially as we're beginning to really think about how do I attract people back into my commercial properties? How do I attract people back into the office? How do I ensure uh, high levels of worker satisfaction in my industrial and commercial properties? Um, food access has just been demonstrated to, to be that driver. Um, so food access drives net promoter score. Um, we know from our commercial users that their tenants really respond very positively when they have uh, good food access, you know, great coffee bars, all of those kind of stuff, things. So this is people are responding to this. Um, so this is something that, especially as we kind of change the way that we work, we change the way that we're viewing real estate. Um, these are the kind of things that uh, real estate owners can do to differentiate their properties. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's fantastic. Um, and I, I guess finally, you know, what advice would you offer building owners and operators? who may be thinking about dedicating more resources to, to a lot of the initiatives that, that you've mentioned in this conversation? Yeah, I would say just start somewhere, start small, right? You don't need to be acing it off the bat, right? Everybody, basically, everybody's at the beginning of this journey. However, the information exists, right? So I mentioned Fitwell is based on 5,600 peer-reviewed research studies, and those have been published over the last 100 years, really the last kind of 10 to 15 years. So there is a world of knowledge out there that has been translated into Fitwell. Just because we in the real estate industry only recently started paying attention to this, and I am myself a real estate professional, not a public health professional, doesn't mean that the knowledge doesn't exist, right? This knowledge exists. We have now translated it into very practical, implementable strategies. Start there, right? Just start. You can download the scorecards for free, right? This isn't about spending more money. This is really about like... Um, educate yourself, understand the assets that you have, use the scorecards to really understand kind of, you know, where am I today? And then what can I continuously do to, to make those improvements? Because one of the investors we surveyed, global investors, actually Bental Greenoak was our partner along with the UN. And we got data from those investors. They see healthy building, the healthy building trend, 92% of them see a massive increase in demand for healthy buildings, but they also anticipate that, that continuing for at least the next three years. Um, one of them said to us, you can't unsee the last two years. And that's true, right? Real estate investment has now identified health as a risk. And you as a property owner or investor or operator need to be thinking of health as a risk. So no longer a nice to have, no longer a way to positively differentiate your asset, but a potential risk that if you cannot demonstrate how you're promoting health, people will start to move to properties that can demonstrate how they're promoting health. Tenants will start to move to properties that can demonstrate how they're promoting the health of their employees 
because their employees are demanding it. They, as as employers, uh, in order to be able to retain and attract the talent that they need to be successful, will have to demonstrate to their employees how that they are health promoting. So health is here to stay. Like this is obviously this has been a, a global pandemic over two years. This is this is not something any of us are going to forget. Um, and historically, we've seen these kind of health events really change the way that our built environment is. In New York City, which is where I'm based, the park system was created um, because of the infectious disease threat uh, more than 100 years ago, um, and it was actually called the working man's lung. So just think about how significant that is. Central Park was created directly in response to infectious disease. The reservoir system was created because of infectious disease, waterborne infectious diseases. Um, Big changes to our built environment because of uh, health and prioritizing health. So it's not unusual. There's plenty of precedents that we've done this before. Um, and I think that demand is really going to continue. Yeah, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Um, you know, we can all agree after the last two plus years that there really is no turning back. Uh, whether you're headed into the office or looking to rent an apartment, the way you interact with your built environment has really changed as a result of COVID. Uh, so I appreciate your insights here and, and the advice for commercial real estate professionals so thanks again for joining the show. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate. 